0: Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. This is Paige, the co-host of Giggly Squad, and I want to tell you about a company that I've been loving, Olive and June. Olive and June gives you everything that you need for a salon-quality manicure in one box, and if you break it down, it really comes out to $2 a manicure, which Yeah. Hello, sweet listeners, and welcome to the In The Meadow podcast. I'm Victoria, your host. You can find me on Instagram at VicInTheMeadow and TikTok at VicSauce. This is actually my second time recording this, the first time my laptop fan was going off, and it just totally ruined the quality. So this should go even smoother. This is the Q&A cast. I'm going to talk a little bit about myself and answer questions that y'all asked on Instagram. Okay, so a little bit about me. I grew up in a small town in Southern Ontario. I'm talking about population 10,000 people, very close-minded, small town, pretty sure Sheltered life, to be honest with you. If you've seen the show Letterkenny, then you know the vibe that I'm talking about. The town that I grew up in is not far from Listowall, where that show is based. So, as soon as I turned 18, I knew I wanted to get out of there. From as early on as I can remember in childhood, I begged to be homeschooled. I wanted to go and get bussed into the quote unquote big city where the art school was. My mom said, No, she said, You can walk to our one high school in our small little town and deal with it. And you know what? All in all, I'm glad she did. I learned a lot. I learned a lot about who I am, what I want for myself, and I was really excited to get the heck out of there once I turned 18 and went off to college. But as a kid, I was always curled up with a book or I had my headphones in with my Walkman, which I had covered in like puffy dog stickers. Stickers were such a staple for those of us that were born in the 90s. If you remember those like puffy dog stickers, please someone message me on Instagram and tell me you remember what I'm talking about. I had a notebook from the dollar store just covered with stickers. It was like a little sticker book I made. I was really into stickers. Stickers and those scented markers, I feel like that was just the time of growing up in the early 2000s. So for as long as I can remember, I always dealt with anxiety. My first like, a clinical diagnosis was social anxiety when I was about 11 or 12 and started therapy. But For me, books and music was a big escape. I had a hard time fitting in and kind of understanding who I wanted to be growing up in that small town mindset where everybody honestly was white, cis, het. For the most part, like I'm talking one to two exceptions of people I knew. I really expanded and blossomed into the person that I am today after I moved into the city. And now I'm 26. I work in healthcare. I don't talk a lot about my job anymore. If you know, you know. Just for privacy and safety, I kind of keep that personal. But four days a week, I work in my own private office in alternative healthcare. I also teach in relation to that job that I work in. And then I do social media on the side. It is not a big chunk of my income. That's one thing I want to get kind of out and clear across the board. I only made I think three to four thousand dollars. Someone that works in the slow living and sustainability space, I'm very selective with the brands that I work with and I'm typically working with smaller brands with smaller budgets not like Dove and Avino, where like I don't, my values don't align so I'm not going to work with them. So anyways, I get a lot of assumptions online on my videos that people are like, oh, well, if I got to sit around the house all day too. I don't. I work, I just keep that private. It's important to remember that when you see people online, you're seeing what they want to share with you. However, that's why I'm here today with my Q&A cast so you can get to know me a little bit better. I'm just going to jump right into the questions. First question, and I really liked this one, is what media changed you? Books, movies, ETC, what was the media that shaped you in your life? I'm going to start off light here, and that is the show Survivor. I grew up in the Survivor era. I remember when the very first season came out, the whole neighborhood would get together. So I was quite young when this happened. So my mom and all her friends in the neighborhood, which had kids similar-ish to my age, they would make a pool. So they would bet on who they thought was going to win. And then everyone, I think, it was Thursday nights, every like Thursday or whatever, we would get together at the one neighbor's house with the biggest basement and the TV. And we would get together, make popcorn, have snacks, bring soda. We would watch Survivor. And I very much remember Amber that season, her and her little, they got married, the guy. They won. Anyways, I, that was like my first bisexual awakening because I was like, do I want to be Amber or do I want to be with Amber? Youngest memory of looking at a woman and being like, oh. Anyways, Survivor, like, it shaped my childhood for some reason. With that, it like brought the neighborhood together, community. I hung out with kids that I usually otherwise wouldn't hang out with because our parents wanted to watch Survivor. Back then, we didn't have streaming services. Like at my house, if we had a show that we were going to miss because we were doing something, we recorded that on a VHS tape that we played back and would just record over with new recordings when we needed to watch something. You were bougie if you had like a DVR at that point, or was that what it was called, where your TV could automatically record the shows that just didn't exist. Well, media really brought people together, which maybe that's a bad thing. There was lots of outdoor events that also brought people together. But at the time, TV was huge. Could not miss that. You would clear your schedule. You would put up with commercials. I don't know. I just very vividly remember that. And I think that was also my gateway into loving reality TV because I am a reality TV trash lover. It's such a good way for my brain to disconnect. And so many of the shows now are toxic, honestly, that I watch. But do I love them? Yes, you are allowed to like things that you yourself wouldn't support. My favorites I love Love Island. I love Thousand Pound Sisters, Tammy and Amy. I stand them so hard. I am rooting for them. I love. TLC Garbage, of course I watch the Netflix, Love is Blind, Too Hot to Handle, Below Deck, one of my favorites is the Below Deck universe, I just love that, I think I cut it there. Okay, so the next thing on my list of media that shaped me was the shows LA Inc., New York Inc., Miami Inc., they were like reality TV shows related around tattooing. So Kat Von D was in one, Ami Jones, Megan Massacre. And for me, I was quite young seeing these, but I remember from as early as I can remember wanting to have tattoos and wanting to be able to express myself in that way. I wasn't always great at expressing myself with words. And I thought, whoa, that is so cool that these people are dying their hair and getting tattoos and just changing the way they look to feel more at home in their bodies. My mom hated that I loved this stuff. And she honestly cried the first couple tattoos I got, probably the first 10. Even though she drove me to my first tattoo appointment because she knew I was going to do it anyways. She didn't want me to faint or feel dizzy driving home because I still lived in my small town at this point and had to drive 30 to 45 minutes into the quote-unquote big city that I live in now to get tattooed. She was super supportive. Shout out to Mary. She didn't love that that was what I was into watching as a kid, but that's okay. I loved it. It made me feel more okay in my interests and what I wanted to look like. That was a big one for me and just being exposed to people that look a little different than the people in my little small town looked like. Next one is a little bit of a dark topic. I'm not going to go into the details of domestic violence, but content warning. Talk of abuse, domestic violence. So when I was in my late teenage years through college, I was in an abusive relationship. Again, not going to get into too many details, but for about a year, year and a half, I was in a very unhealthy relationship. And the books The Sociopath Next Door and Psychopath Free really changed my life for me and led me to leaving those relationships and understanding that it wasn't my fault to take myself out of that like victim mentality, out of the victim mentality, but you know what I mean, to not put the blame on myself. Really helps me understand that what I was experiencing wasn't normal or healthy because when you're young, you don't have a lot of relationship experience to compare to. And a lot of narcissists and sociopaths are really good at gaslighting you and manipulate and manipulating your world. Oh, I can't stress enough how much those books literally saved my life and made me feel so heard and understood. Whether you're dealing with a narcissist or abusive relationship in your family, with friendships, in a workplace, or in a romantic relationship, I highly, highly recommend those books. Even if you are recovered from it and on your kind of recovery journey, those books I think can really help you understand what was going on a little bit more. I am not a professional though. Please speak to a therapist and always check up on if something's going to be a good idea for you to read. Please remember, if anyone is in a situation that is unhealthy or abusive, please. tell somebody it can get better it needs to be done safely though and I'm not going to speak too much more on that but those books really really shaped my life On the topic of books, I had quite a few questions of my favorite books and my book recommendations. Again, I am a book lover. I grew up reading a ton. My parents were divorced and whenever I would go to my dad's, I would pack like three or four books for the weekend just in case I somehow read them all, which sometimes happened because I would sit on the couch in the window and I would read my dang books. As a kid, I was really into the click books. Please, if you read them, send me a DM on Instagram because I need to talk about this. I live, laugh, loved those books. The in and out lists that Massey Block would write, they were mean girls, but those books were addictive. They were kind of like the gateway to Pretty Little Liars books growing up. I read those in like elementary school and then graduated to Pretty Little Liars books. As I got older. Anyways, my book taste as an adult really varies. I got back into reading because of TikTok, actually, with book talk. If you're on TikTok, you know, I got really into spicy book talk. And it's funny because I made fun of my mom when I was in like high school and college when she was reading the Fifty Shades of Grey and all into that. And now I am an adult into spicy book talk, which in my opinion is more developed and advanced than Fifty Shades of Grey. However, same kind of realm. Can't really crap on my mom for that anymore. So these recommendations that I'm going to give are. 18 plus recommendations, check for trigger warnings, content warnings. If you're into spicy book talk, then you probably already know about some of these. My favorite series I have read in the last few years is the Devil's Night series by Penelope Douglas. First book is called Corrupt. So there's four main books and then novellas in between, and I believe they're all also on Kindle Unlimited. But it centers around a friend group of four men, and each book is about each man, his backstory, and his developing relationship with the female main character of each book and how they intertwine and intermingle. Dark content matter, but they sucked me in. I read the whole series in like a week and those books are thick. I have the physical books because it was before I bought my Kindle, but I can't recommend it enough. If you liked Punk 57 by Penelope Douglas, these books are even better. Punk 57 is like, gentle compared to the Devil's Night series, but it is so good. Also love how authors are making playlists to go with their books now. So the Devil's Night series does have playlists in the front of the book that Penelope Douglas wrote and kind of put into as the vibe, which I love. The next book series that I would recommend is the Born in Blood Mafia series by Cora Riley. Less trigger warnings for this one, I would say, but still, like, they're dark romance. So there's, like, Mafia. This one is, like, very violent, kind of, in bits and pieces, mixed in with the romance. This series was incredible. It's also on Kindle Unlimited. If you have that, I read, like, a book every two days. It's an easy, quick read. So good. Again, each book is centered on a different male main character and his relationship developing intermingled with the Mafia and their family. Oh, my gosh. This book series, (sighs) so good. It's called The Mindfuck Series by S.T. Abbey. Stabby. It was a pen name. Unfortunately, the author passed away, which was so sad. It was so sad to learn that in the Goodreads reviews. But this series, the Mindfuck series, is incredible. The male main character is a badass serial killer. Male main character is like FBI. Not gonna give spoilers, but it's it's just incredible. Go in blind and you'll love it if you're into dark romance, pretty dark content. Anyways, okay, next one, Be Still My Heart by Emily McIntyre, which is another dark romance. You might know Emily McIntyre if you're into books because she wrote the Hooked, Wretched, like the twisted fairy tale series. Those were okay, this book, Incredible. So it's also about a serial killer murder mystery and this lady FBI investigator person comes to town and is solving it, meets a boy, blah, blah, blah. You know how it goes. Don't want to give spoilers, but really, really good. Okay, The last one that I'm going to pop in here is Katie Roberts. Now Katie Roberts is the queen of inclusivity and queer content intermingled into her series and books. Favorite is A Court of the Vampire Queen. It's a reverse harem book. So one female main character, multiple male main characters involved. don't read Dark Romance. Like this probably sounds very strange and overwhelming, but it's a really good series. And I am a vampire lover and I'm not afraid to admit it. Grew up in the Twilight and Vampire Diaries era Team Damon. If you are wondering for Vampire Diaries, I really do need to know if you watched it, please message me on Instagram. Let me know. As for Twilight, Team Charlie. I will not partake in this Edward or Jacob nonsense. Team Charlie. Final answer. Anyways, Candy Robert books are awesome. She has some Disney like dark retellings with a twist. Uh, There's some like, what's the word I'm looking for? Greek God related? I can't think of the word I'm looking for. Like a Hades, Persephone, Apollo, that world. My brain is just off. Anyways, Katie Roberts, amazing. A lot of her books are on Kindle Unlimited or available for a few dollars on Kindle as well. Gives you a whole book cast if you want me to to get more into like nonfiction reads because I read a lot as well about free living, simple living, uh, et cetera. But I just wanted to briefly dive into some of the books and authors that I love and move along to some other questions. Somebody else asked, do you like to camp? So I grew up camping and I have a cute story about my parents that I'm going to include in here. We lived life on a budget, but whenever we did go on trips like to America through the States, we would camp. We'd either drive my grandparents road trek down and stay in that or bring a tent and they would stay in the road trek and me and my family would pop up our tents and camp. Really cost effective to rent a campsite and set up rather than hotels etc. Oh yeah as a kid I enjoyed camping I am not a bug lover so that was a little hard for me to get over but we camped for you know like a month every summer lots of beautiful places in Ontario to camp so Kilbear Provincial Park was the one that we went to a lot my parents actually got married there and Algonquin Grundy I once winter camped in Algonquin and that was an experience that I did once and will never do again but it was one of my favorite it was so beautiful hiking in the like knee-deep snow in Algonquin there's such a feeling of accomplishment. Anyways, so my parents actually, like my mom and my stepdad, they got engaged at their favorite campsite in Grundy, and then they decided to get married at one of their favorite places in Kilbert Provincial Park. We would go camping there every summer. They would go extra and I would stay with my grandma. I actually have a tattoo and it's a little coffee pot because my parents loved coffee. They still do. And inside the coffee pot is a scene from a picture of where they got married on the rocks at Kilbert Provincial Park. I went back a couple of years ago as an adult to that spot and took a picture of my tattoo with like where it is of. This is so hard to verbally explain. I'm going to put a picture up on my Instagram stories and I'll save it to my podcast highlight in case you listen to this and want to see. Anyway, Sam Tyson in Burlington did the tattoo. It's incredible. I love it so much. It's such a sweet piece of my family history to me. So yes, I enjoy camping. Do I do it much as an adult now? No, because I really love running water. I really love having a mattress or my back, like being able to go to the bathroom and not have to like take a flashlight to the porta potty Anyways, but yeah, camping was really big in my family. Even when we went to Disney World as a kid, we drove down and pitched a tent and stayed in Fort Wilderness, the little campground in Disney, and it was awesome. I was just happy and lucky to even get to go to Disney as a kid. Next question, do you speak French? No. French was mandatory to take in high school and elementary school, I think up until grade 10. Uh, in Canada or at least Ontario, you have to do that. But nope, I did not retain it, I did not enjoy it. Learning another language is extremely hard to anyone out there that's bilingual or even just dabbles in another language. Your brain is on another level that is so impressive and talented. French isn't for me and I just don't, I don't love it. I don't, yeah. Next person asked, do you speak Ukrainian? So this next little bit, we're going to chat about Ukraine because that's where my family is from. If you didn't know, my family is from Budkiv, a little village in Ukraine, kind of like south and in the middle between like Kiev and Lviv. Village, small. I'm pretty sure like when my grandparents lived there, it was less than 500 people. Anywho, I know some Ukrainian. I am by no means fluent. I can hear it and read it much better than I can speak it very self-conscious speaking it because I have a Canadian Ukrainian accent, of course, when I speak Ukrainian. So I have hard time with some of the sounds in the dialect. Actually, if I have my Invisalign in, which I take out to record this because otherwise I'd be lisping the whole way along. But growing up, my grandpa didn't learn much English when he moved to Canada, so he primarily spoke Ukrainian, so I learned to understand it through him and my grandma, and they made sure to teach me enough that I could, you know, go out to the Ukrainian club and ask for how I want my tea. Please, thank you. How you doing? You know, how do I find my mom? <laughs> the important questions as a kid to know how to ask. I didn't talk about a Ukrainian heritage a whole lot growing up. Grandpa was in Ukraine during World War II, and things were very traumatic, and also just the time he was living in Ukraine. The aggression of Russia was really painful. It still is. I don't like to talk about it too much because it gets me upset. My grandpa really loved Ukraine and it was hard for him to talk about the hardships that we faced. And like I said, my grandpa didn't speak much English. They loved to document everything. And we have so many photographs from our family in Ukraine we would send back and forth and from my grandparents when they would visit. My grandma was a G. She made sure to translate and write down, and I have it in front of me right now because we have photocopies in our family, about our family history in Ukraine. Which is really lucky because a lot of Ukrainian settlers in Canada don't have that information to pass on, or if they've passed away, their family doesn't have it. I've talked to a lot of other Ukrainian Canadians my age who wish they knew more about their family, so I'm really lucky. But yeah, so my grandpa came to Canada in 1948, and he landed in Halifax, Nova Scotia, and then made his way to Ontario. It's wild, but I didn't know until my teenage years that my grandpa actually changed his name. And that, like, my mom's maiden name isn't our family name at all. It was because he came over as a refugee. He escaped Ukraine shortly after the war, that have been my math might not be correct. History and dates are not my strong suit. But his passport we actually have. He's my grandparents have since passed away. But his passport was a like faked German passport, and it's so funny. He literally crossed out his name with a pen, his like original Ukrainian name, and just penned in Steve Loss, and was like, huh, eh, good enough. Nobody's gonna guess I'm not Canadian with that name. <laughs> Oh, I think that's so funny. And he came over with his best friend who also changed his name. Anyway, so he's got this fake German passport. He's crossed out stuff written in whatever he wants. And they accepted it. <laughs> they accepted it back then. They let him in. Obviously, there's more to it than that. But um, it's funny too, because on it, it's like birthplace, Germany, city of birth, Lviv. Which also like... <laughs> This isn't entirely true. He was born in Bukhiv in his village. But it's just funny how he could just write in what he wanted. And they were like, yeah, good enough. Oh, but it was a different time. Anyhow, um, I did want to note this because I think it's interesting. And I can talk more about my family history in another episode if people are interested. But to those that are, like, shocked about this whole Russian invasion now, this has been going on for so long. In my little family history notes, we have the information about how my great-grandpa died, my grandpa's dad. He was a farmer. He owned a farm. If you know anything about Holodomor, you might know where this is going how in those times my great-grandpa owned a farm and the russians were trying to control the farmers in the farmland my great-grandpa refused to give up his land again my family is very patriotic to ukraine plus that was his livelihood and how he would feed his village and they found him in the middle of winter with no shoes no coat seven kilometers from the farm dead in the ditch Anyways, that is my um, long, short answer before I get more upset if uh, I speak Ukrainian. So I can read it and verbally hear it much better than I can speak it. The next question is also along the lines of Ukraine. So I wanted to include that now. And somebody asked, Ukrainian music recommendations other than Go A. If you don't know Go A, you do know Go A. You just don't know it. They had a popular song that won Eurovision called Shum. S-H-U-M. If you listen to it, you will know. Or if you're on TikTok, you will know. Because it was one of those, it was like a popular TikTok song. Go A is incredible. The song Kalina uh, is also one of my favorites. They use a traditional Ukrainian, well, it's really a Slavic, folk music vocal style called white voice. So they use this as well in Belarus, Croatia, Poland, a lot of Baltic and Slavic countries historically have used this white voice or open voice. It's also called technique of singing. So you'll listen to GoA and you'll hear that the vocals have a very unique sound and it's because of that traditional way of singing. So if you want some other recommendations other than go A, Molodi, M-O-L-O-D-I is a really neat artist. I think it's two men if I'm not mistaken, but they remind me of Billie Eilish. Like the music style really reminds me of Billie Eilish. Another one I would recommend to check out is Jerry Hale. That is her like stage name. She was actually a YouTuber turned musician from Ukraine. You should check out this song, When God Shut the Door. I believe it will come up if you type that. I don't think you have to type in like the Ukrainian name. It is a beautiful song. The instrumentals are incredible. It evokes a lot of feelings. My personal favorite form of Ukrainian music is post-punk, and that's because I was a little emo kid. I went to Warp to a Riot Fest, and I think post-punk music as an adult is like the perfect mellow style for me. I will link my playlist. I have a Slavic post-punk playlist. It's not all Ukrainian music. There's some musicians from Belarus, from Poland. I think there's like a Macedonian one in there. There's also some Ukrainian artists. that I like is Morwan. and they have a album they just put out called Zola Zemlya and that means Ash Earth. This music is really cool because the artist brings in their Arabic and Slavic roots into the music. They're from Kiev. But you'll notice with the music, like it's very unique sounding. Other one that I really like that's from Ukraine is Delirium from Slavyansk. And again, it's just like post-punk music. If you don't know what that is, listen to the playlist. You'll understand really quickly. If you've been on TikTok, you probably know some of the other music I have in it. Molchat Doma. They are from Belarus, I believe. Now I feel like I need to fact check that. They've had a bunch of popular songs on TikTok, though. Their music is so cool. Very, I don't know, vibey. I don't know how else to put it. So I'll link that in the show notes if I can figure out how to do that. Still very new to this podcasting thing. Moving on from the Ukrainian talk, somebody asked, how do you deal with all the attention that comes with being heavily tattooed as an introvert? This question was really interesting to me because I've never really thought of that before. And the honest answer is I cover up a lot of the time. is isn't just because of the tattoos, but it's also just life as a woman. Don't like attention. I am terrified of men. <laughs> Try to bring a buddy with me if I'm going out. I hate that this is our reality, but as an anxious person, it's it's just what I do, especially at work. Like if I'm meeting with new clients. I was trying and wear a long sleeve. I know that we should be past the days of like prejudice against people with tattoos, but if I go to Walmart or shoppers in a t-shirt, I'm going to get followed down the aisles. It's just how it is, unfortunately. So oftentimes in the winter, it's easy. I just wear long sleeves. Don't always like the attention. If I'm hanging out like with my other friends that are tattooed, I don't care because I fit in. Of my friends are even more decorated or wild looking than I am. Helps take away the attention. I also have no problem asserting my boundaries if need be. There are many a times at like summer like food festivals where you get the, hey girl, lucky tattoos from like the old white man eating a cob of corn, which like someone come collect their dad, please is exhausting. I don't really have a great answer for that other than that I think that we should all mind our business a little bit more. One thing that I learned in school when I was going to school for like the field that I'm in in healthcare is that we learned from our ethics teacher to just not ask people or comment on tattoos, even if it's in a positive manner to say, hey, I like that tattoo. You don't know the negative or positive connotation that comes with that tattoo. Tattoos are deeply personal. Sometimes they're not. I have a tattoo of Dwight Schrute and Tina Belcher. However, other tattoos can be deeply personal. For me, I had three large pieces covered up by a artist that SA'd me, Before I had those covered up, if people commented on them or even said they liked them, I felt like crap about it because, of course, that connection. So I think we should all just be more trauma informed and mindful before we comment on people's bodies, because that is still commenting on someone's body. Even if you're thinking you're being nice about it, it can be deeply personal. So along that note, somebody asked, how do you navigate the extrovert world as an introvert? And I love this one. I answered it on Instagram, but I wanted to talk about it here too. Oh, it's hard. I'm a homebody. I have homebody tattooed across my knuckles also just overstimulated so easily. So some of my tricks for that, if I'm going to like the grocery store or a store, which I try not not do, I'm a click and collector. I love curbside pickup still. I'll bring my AirPods and I'll put on white noise. For me, even music can be too overstimulating sometimes. So when I'm in the grocery store, there's like the bright fluorescent lights. People are talking. Someone's got like a stuck wheel on their cart. I am spiraling. Frustrated. I'm overstimulated. So having white noise in my earphones just helps drown it all out and keep my brain quiet. Alternatively, loop earplugs, or just earplugs in general can be a great one, but with the loop ones, you can get different levels of noise dampening. So it just takes out some of that overstimulation. Also, if people see you with stuff in your ears, generally, they're not gonna talk to you or bug you. And I say generally. Please be careful though. If you're going out for a run or you're outside, I don't like to do the earphones thing. You just never know from a safety perspective, being situationally aware of your surroundings, super important. a different topic. Another one is that I'm bad for hanging out with my friends. I work in a very social job, kind of. I am seeing people one-on-one for hours at a time. So often after work, I'm exhausted. I don't really want to go hang out with my friends. I need to recharge. And I love my friends to bits, but that's like a day off, no other things happening event for me. I really like to connect with my friends through voice message because phone calls also stress me out. The performance anxiety being on when they want you to respond, it's a lot. I've learned that that is why I have phone call anxiety. It's just like the performance of it all. So voice messaging is awesome because I'll like record like a three minute voice message, talking to my friends, send it. They can reply when they have time to listen and respond. And you feel more connected because you're hearing your friends rather than just texting. So that's one that I really love. Another one is just communicating your needs. So to my friends, I tell them, hey, just a reminder, I love to be invited. Even if you know I'm gonna say no. Makes me feel included, like I'm not an afterthought. And same with your partner, communicating with them, saying, saying, hey, I need some time to recharge. It's not you, it's me, I love you. And to be my best self, I need to take some time just to myself to have a bath, have some quiet, read a book, color, whatever you wanna do. Communication is key. I also learned that finding a job that was conducive to my needs was important. I originally was enrolled in university for environmental science and it was way too much. First of all, being in that classroom setting and a desk for hours at a time I learned wasn't for me pressured into going to university from just like social culture as being a quote unquote smart kid in high school. And then I was like, you know what? No, I wanna work with my hands. I want like a hands-on job. And so I got into the trades and went to college. And that worked out really well for me. I'm in a job now where I work by myself, for myself, quiet. I don't really have to deal with working with others, except for you know my clients. That was really important. And I know that's a privilege and not everybody can do that. But for me, that was a really big piece of the puzzle. Okay, so somebody asked as well, can you explain or can you talk about explaining anxiety to your partner while dating? That's hard because I don't know, I don't do the online dating things. I've always found dating someone that you know of is easier, especially after my not great dating situation when I was younger. I like having people to vouch for someone that I'm seeing. For me, I've generally known my partners, they already kind of know my history of anxiety a little bit. Communication, again, is so important. So for me, it's honestly communicating my boundaries of my partners not feeding into my compulsions. When it comes to my emetophobia, which rules a lot of my anxiety and agoraphobia for people that don't know, that's a like severe fear or phobia of vomiting. I have like a control issue where I'm scared of other people vomiting and me not knowing it's gonna happen. Like, it's really hard to explain if you're mentally well and understand. For me in dating, that looks like telling my partner, hey, if I'm compulsively asking you throughout the day, are you feeling okay? Is your stomach okay? Do you feel sick? To tell me, hey, I'm good. You don't need to keep checking in. I'll let you know if I'm not feeling well, I promise. It helps me get in check because I can't keep giving it to those compulsions and thinking I can control a situation that I have no control over. And I think it's just finding that healthy balance of letting them know when you are anxious and what you need. So if I come home from work and I'm feeling stressed and I say, you know what? It's not you. It's me. I'm happy to see you, but I need to go have a bath and read and then I'll be my best self and we can chat. Saying, hey, I really don't want to project my mood on you right now and I'm not feeling very happy or myself, so I'm just going to take a time out. Or just saying, hey, can you be patient with me? And my attitude as I kind of decompress from whatever this situation is. Vacation is really just key. Okay, somebody asked for the story of Boo. Boo is my greyhound or my little Spanish galgo for those that don't know. If you're on my Instagram, you know. He's my pride and joy. I always knew I wanted to get a greyhound i grew up with a neighbor who fostered and rescued greyhound she was a single lady she's sadly passed away uh but she always had like four or five greyhounds walking around the neighborhood three times a day they're just the sweetest dogs they never barked they were so sweet and gentle oh my gosh okay quick sidetrack she passed away last year and she requested to be bar- Like she knew she had cancer and she requested to have all 12 of her greyhound urns from her dogs that had passed away through the years to be buried with her and suddenly i need to write that into my will anyways so when i was ready in a financial space and a job where i had time for a dog i contacted motor city greyhound rescue in detroit they work in southern ontario northern michigan and ohio and i was like all right let's chat do the interviews get this ball rolling and long story short a month or two later they contacted me said they had a group coming in from galgo del sol which is the rescue in spain where boo is from and that they had the perfect dog for me that he was really anxious but that i you know had said i'm willing to take the time to work with this pup And along came Boo. So in Spain, the Galgos are actually used as hunting dogs. So it's different than the American racing. And why I went with them is because racing greyhounds in North America is illegal mostly now. There's wait lists for a lot of dogs, but overseas where they can you know, fly dogs in over here, there's an abundance of them. You can look up Galgo Del Sol on Instagram. There's so many sweet little Galgos. I was like, yeah, I just want to give whatever greyhound I can at home. I don't care if he's long and furry. He's so special. Oh God, I love him so much. Anywho, so then Boo came over. He was flown into Chicago, had, some volunteers drive him up to Ypsilanti, where his foster mom was, and I picked him up after a week, after he had you know his little dental done and everything. You know how like you're like waiting for that moment where you meet your dog, your little rescue pup, and you love each other. No, not with Boo. I was terrified. That they, first of all, a like eight-hour flight in an undercarriage of a plane must be so scary for these dogs. He's also like a little traumatic street dog. Uh, you can look it up. National Geographic did a good article on Galgos. It's a hard read. It's a hard read. There's talk of animal abuse not treated while well. the hunters to their gal goes over there and they often they will break their legs and discard them on the side of the road and thus boo was found he's my special little guy and that's the beauty with greyhounds is the trust that you build with them in that like first couple years even now four years into having him he's eight now there's like new little things he comes out of his shell and like he just started talking to me recently he never barked i heard him bark twice in two years and then he started talking and he'd get excited for his food and i'm like oh he trusts me to make noise because he's got like scars from the electric prods from when the hunters, right? So there's a lot of things where he's just been scared. And anyways, I just love him so much. So that's where Boo came from. All right. Somebody asked, what is your strategy for getting things done on your personal time? I am a to-do list maker in my phone. I have a to-do list notepad where you can check things off. I love making a list. I love checking things off the dopamine hit I get from checkmarking something. And I try and time block my day. So I write my to-do list every night in my phone for the next day. And I make it detailed. things like brush teeth, shower, because those are things that are hard too. And that's still accomplishing something. So I'll put those in and that way you can check them off. I just work through my to-do list in the start of my day. And then the rest of my day, on my days off, I've got my time to do whatever I want. And I find I can relax better because I know I've already gotten everything done that I need to get done. Maybe that's a simple answer, but that's what works for me. I just love to time block, organize things out. Check that shit off. Okay, somebody said, is your discount code a reference to Vsauce? First of all, if feel like you look at my link in my bio, my discount codes for a lot of like the brands that I'm, kind of partnered with before is Vixos 10 or whatever. No, it's not a Vsauce reference. I didn't even realize there was a YouTuber with that name until later. Vixos is my TikTok name for those who don't know. I made it way before I decided to start making content on there and just never switched it. That's my gamer tag. That's my little Nintendo Switch tag for my Animal Crossing and my my little Stardew games. That's where that came from. And for some reason, uh, that's just what's, I think this is a short little word, right? That's what brands have liked to make my codes with. So <laughs> I hope that answers that. Man, somebody asked, I struggle with the concept of wasted time for difficulties with mental health in the past. That's a hard one. I totally feel the same. I've had issues with agoraphobia for entire summers before where I can't leave my house because of my emetophobia. In hindsight, I think you really just have to look at that as an experience that shaped you for who you are today and you can't kick yourself for what's already done. So much easier said than done. Therapy is a great one. I can't afford it right now, I wish I could. Unpacking that with a professional definitely helps, but just trying to not beat yourself up and remember we're all human. Remember that like collectively, there's probably hundreds if not thousands of people listening to this that are also feeling the same way where we've all had those patches of struggles with mental health where we wish we knew more, we wish we knew what we knew now or healthier coping mechanisms. And there's nothing you can do to rewrite that time at the end of the day. And I, I find it helpful to remember that. Not the best advice though, again, not a professional, just a 26, almost 27-year-old sharing her thoughts about how I've gotten to this point in my life. This is a really good one. Someone asked Lizzie Miranda or Gordo in brackets, was this show big in Canada too? Oh, yes, it was. Lizzie McGuire was one of my favorites. I was at Lizzie McGuire, Wizards of Waverly Place, Hannah Montana, Sweet Life on Deck, Sweet Life of Zack and Cody, Phil of the Future, Life with Derek, Lover And even Stevens came for that. That's so brave, Love to me, some Disney Channel, all that, The Amanda Show, Nickelodeon as well. Although mixed feelings about that now with, uh... Dan Schneider. Anyways, uh, yeah, I loved Lizzie McGuire. It was huge in Canada. I think just North America in general. I'm curious though now, like anyone from Europe listening, was Lizzie McGuire a thing in Europe? But anyways, Miranda was always my favorite. She was just a little edgier than Lizzie. I loved her attitude and general outlook on life. So... I was a Miranda fan myself. Right. Somebody asked, what is something you wish more of us knew about you? I think the big one is just that this isn't my full time job. Like I mentioned, I get a lot of suggestive or presumptuous comments of people saying, oh, if I could just hang around in my house all day or like must be nice to afford this. First of all, if you've seen my budgeting video, I live on a simple budget. The average income in my province is 66,000. I make at least 20 to 30 grand less than that annually after taxes. Living within your means, living simply, but I work. This is not my job. And I wish more people would not make assumptions about people and what information they make available to folks online. Because at the end of the day, we are not owed information about our favorite creators. And if there's anything that should have taught us that, it was Jenna Marbles, but I miss Jenna. I understand it, I respect it. But. Uh, good gravy. Have we done a lot of creators wrong collectively in uh, putting too much pressure on to know all the things. Always love Jenna. Dink fam. Something else that I wish... People knew about me, hmm, guess it would be that I also just don't have it figured out. Self-employed, I haven't started saving for retirement. I have this weird dream of maybe owning a house one day that I'm working towards. People I think sometimes think because the way I present myself online that I know everything, I really, really don't. I am mentally hanging on by a thread most of the time. I'm trying to be more transparent with that and keep it real because obviously on the internet, we are presenting the highlights of our life. Fortunately, that's what the algorithm likes and that's what keeps people engaged. I just hope people remember that I'm human too. I make mistakes. Lord, have I made mistakes. And I like to share those and hope that other people can learn from them for me. I literally can't think of anything else on that topic right now. someone said, what would little Vic think of you today? This question, I think it would be really great to unpack with a therapist one day, but little Vic would think that I'm so cool. That I'm living in, like, the cool little artsy queer neighborhood in the big city. I'm not in Toronto, for those wondering. <laughs> but, like, the big city near the small town I grew up in. I've got a dog. I'm, like, living, like, not with my parents, like, out on my own. She'd probably think I'd own a house by now. But, like, that's okay, girlfriend. You don't know how the economy and recessions go. You're just a kid. Yeah, I think that Little Vic would see me and think, whoa, no shit. Ooh, okay, I like this question. Somebody said... Have you ever felt like you're just depersonalized and don't even know what you're interested in or who you are anymore? Uh, And I think a lot of people probably go through this, especially with this day and age of the internet, where a lot of us kind of get our interests and personalities from trends on TikTok or Instagram or seeing what other people are into and thinking, oh, I want to be like that. I'm a little sponge still. I'm an adult, but I'm still like a little sponge. I just absorb things from people around me. For me, I find taking a break from online... Helps me a lot to come back to what I actually enjoy. Taking away all the stimulation, the sway from people around you. Oh, frig, I feel like I'm getting an echo in here now. Anyways, taking all that away, for me at least, can help me kind of circle back to what I actually enjoy doing. The type of stuff I like reading, watching. I don't know, I don't have a great answer for that. I think it's just really tricky. But I think a lot of us go through those periods of like self-identity crisis where we just don't really know what feels aligned with us? And those periods of change are are natural to happen, in my humble opinion. Man, I lost my place in my notebook of my questions. Okay, well, you know what? I'm going to leave it at that for the Q&A today. And I hope that that was interesting for some of you to learn a little bit more about me. I don't know if I did a great job at kind of introducing myself. I've been on Instagram for, you know, the better part of the last six, seven years. I used to be known as the elephant in the womb. I did a lot of work in reproductive health. A menstrual educator, anyways, I had about six to eight thousand followers for the majority of the time with that, and those people knew a lot about me. But now that that has you know times by like 10. I forget that there's a lot of new people here that don't know much about me and my background. So I'll definitely do another one of these in the future. There's so many topics I want to cover in the meantime, from like anxiety to friendship, ebbs and flows and breakups as an adult, to cleaning, organization, frugal living, all sorts of stuff, whatever, navigating your 20s, adulthood. Like I said, that's what this podcast is all about. So thank you for listening. This might have been a shorter one. This is my second time recording it. So, you know, I think it was a little more concise with my answers. Please let me know what you think. If you're listening on Spotify, give me a rating. I appreciate that. Apple podcast, you can leave me a review. I would really love that. I'd love to read your words or send me a DM on Instagram over at Vic in the Meadow or comment on my post. I would just love to chat. Let me know your answers to some of these, what you're thinking, if you're vibing with it, and what you want to hear about next on the podcast. Thank you again for listening. And again, you can find me on Instagram at Vic in the Meadow or on TikTok at Sauce. and I will see you next Sunday. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince.